0: Think about what you're trying to achieve and think about what the other person is trying to achieve in the meeting and tailor your remarks to address those needs. And practice, because I think sometimes when you are too heads down, you kind of forget that what you think is really obvious about your business might not be so obvious to another person. So it's finding the right level to have the conversation, not too high level and not too weedy, but striking that balance between, hey, here's the core assumptions about why this is an amazing opportunity. And then here's like the deep dive into all the great work that we've done and why why we think we have a glorious future ahead.
1: Welcome to Brave. Learn from Southeast Asia's best tech leaders. Build the future. Learn from our past, and stay human in between. No BS on success. I'm Jeremy Au, venture capitalist, serial founder, Harvard MBA, science fiction nerd, and dad of two daughters. Every week, we debate startup news, interview change makers answer listener questions, and share personal insights. Join a movement of over 20,000 members and get transcripts, resources, and community at www.bravesea.com. Meet Rinkas, your go-to digital mortgage platform breaking down financial barriers for home seekers across Indonesia and Southeast Asia. They operate in more than 15 cities in partnership with all major Indonesian banks and premier property developers. Ringcast is on a mission to democratize homeownership and create over 100 million new homeowners. Don't just dream about owning a home, make it a reality. Explore more at www.ringcast.co.id. Morning, Shuyen.
0: Morning, Jeremy. How's it going?
1: Just had to consume my morning water, hydration, energy rituals, whatever they call them. So here I am. How about you, Shane?
0: Is it like PM's magic water? You know, when you sip from <laughs> the cup, suddenly you can become multilingual?
1: Uh, which was true. I am primarily okay at English and I'm going to say conversational in Chinese. So no language switching that's possible. and I understand that today we wanted to talk a little bit about conversations and what you're seeing with founders and how to coach them. Could you share a little bit more about what you're thinking about?
0: Yeah, I had a number of conversations in the last week or so that made me think this could be a useful topic. Uh, And they really center around how do you run a meeting when you're going into pitch? And I think there's many different components of the meeting, right? How do you open? How do you keep everyone on track? How do you close? But it might be useful to start with, what is each party trying to get out of the meeting? Because I think that context is useful for thinking about how the other person's behaving in the meeting. And mostly, Mm. I think it's the sort of mystique or mysteriousness of like, why is this VC asking all these questions? I'm going to get to it later in the deck. Like, why don't they just let me get through my slides? Or, you know, how do I get them on track when it doesn't seem like we're super aligned on what we're talking about and oh no, it's 30 minute meeting and the clock is ticking down and I feel like my chance to communicate what I want to communicate is slipping away. So we had just done a coaching session for our portfolio and I played the entrepreneur, the hapless entrepreneur and my partner Elizabeth played the annoying VC and she kind of like jumped all over me and asked questions didn't let me get through my slides but I think the, the context is as an investor when you go into a pitch meeting what you're trying to figure out is do I want to spend more time on this opportunity? Right. That's what right. you're trying to figure out. And so, if you have a 30 minute slot and feels like the founder is taking too long with fluff slides up front, mm. you just want to get your questions answered. So you just start asking them. Yeah. Uh, because by the end of the meeting, you want to make a decision. Like, hey, do I ask for more materials? Do I follow up, or do you say like, hey, thanks? probably not for us. And so yeah. how do you think about this as a founder going into pitch, which is like, how do I get that person the information they want? But how do I also communicate my story the way I want to communicate it? Yeah. And so I think from a founder's perspective, thinking about you're not getting to convince someone to invest in the first meeting. No one's going to yeah. pull out their checkbook and be like, okay, I'm ready. But you, so that's not your goal in the first meeting. Your goal in the first meeting is to get somebody to think, hey, this is pretty interesting. I yeah. want to dig in and I want to spend more yeah. time learning about it. So how do you mm. get them to that point? So if you know that or explicit goal, how do you get them to that point? I'll pause there. Jeremy, agree, disagree?
1: Yeah, I think what I liked most especially was that point of view, which is I think investors thinking themselves, where do they want to spend more time? Because at the end of this whole investment discussion and so, so forth across multiple meetings, we believe that we're going to make an effective team together and we're going to go out and try to build a unicorn or $100 million company together over the next you know 10 years, right? And that's a really difficult proposition. Uh, so I think the first meeting is so key and I agree with you that a lot of founders really underprepare for the importance of that first meeting in terms of being very clear, very direct, and also building the trust needed to kickstart the start of what could be a beautiful relationship or could be, you know, the end of a one-time call that doesn't really go anywhere.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I guess if we just start from that context, which is like, do do I want to spend more time digging into this opportunity? Am I intrigued? All this sort of stuff. There's a bunch of things that build up into that. So I think one is like just the business. Do I understand this business? And I feel like it is shocking how many meetings I take where I have to repeatedly ask, who's the buyer? What's the problem? I feel like we should get to those upfront. I should try to understand whose problem you're solving at the beginning. And when people say everyone, that's always very distressing for me because it's really expensive to serve everyone. And so just having some sort of really concise snippet on like, hey, my customer is the CIO of a company that does at least 50 million in revenue and has 2000 employees or more. Then you're like, okay, I understand your segment. This is their problem. These are their current solution options. This is why it's not good. Here's why ours is better. Here's proof as to why we can do this. You've said all of these things in under 60 seconds and you still have 29 Mm. more minutes. So I think you're trying to help somebody build up in their head a picture of what's going on. And you might say, oh, well, I already sent them my deck. How come they didn't read it? It's possible you'd already sent them their deck, but your deck wasn't very clear. So even as they had read it, or your deck was one of a hundred decks they had read and the meeting got scheduled 10 days ago and they can't remember, right? So I think you just need to think about your audience and how to get to those points. And so who am I selling to? how am I going to make money even if you don't make money now what is my theory of making money what are the unit economics of that and what are the current things that you're really excited about or working well and what are the sort of known risks that you're going to work through I think having a good balanced picture is useful but I think an interesting point that you made Jeremy is talking about building rapport yeah. How do you think about building rapport in a first meeting?
1: I think the truth is that before the first meeting, you are who you are, right? You've been building your life experiences over 20, 30 years, you know, 40 years, that timeline that you have. You have been building this company idea for a year, two years. You know, it's back of your head. You have some professional experiences. You're bringing this into this. So I think you come in as who you are and that's okay. And I think the rapport is a function of who you are as a person. That's one. Two is what your strategy is. And then your actual approach. And then third is like what you said, which is how you conduct the meeting in terms of the pitch and what materials you prepare. And I think one thing I noticed in that conversation is that obviously, if you have a great pitch, that implies that actually you have a pretty good, great strategy, if that makes sense, which implies that you're a strong founder who is able to think through about what the counterparty wants, but also what the clarity or the hard trade-offs of their decisions would be as well. So I think a good pitch is like a culmination of three very intentional dynamics. The tricky part is that when the pitch doesn't go well, uh, in other words, the rapport isn't built, the trust isn't built, is it a function of is it said, that the, the meeting itself is not the mice, or is it that the strategy is poor or needs further work, or is it that the founder themselves may not have found the market fit, or they may not be the right person, or they're not thinking clearly, or frankly, they're not a strong founder. And so I think those are the interesting dynamics about what it takes to build rapport. For me, I, I often think to myself a little bit, which is, at least from my personal perspective, is if I'm having the first 30 minutes meeting, I'm trying to optimize a bit less for the pitch deck itself. I'm really trying to understand who they are and what the strategy is. And I think I've had instances where honestly, the pitch deck is poor or the presentation is not very strong. But if I sit down and I really think about it, it makes more sense to me because I'm listening to what the person is saying. And one thing I often find myself saying is something like, what you says is not what's on the deck or it's not the storyline that you can prepare. And I think you should go with what you're saying verbally in response to my question rather than the way that you think it should go. And it's nothing to do with just a a bunch of feedback. So I think trying to listen to where I find the most rapport is when I get deep sense that the founder is a strong founder who understands the strategy or the trade-offs they have to do. They understand clearly who the customer is and so so forth and then I can close one eye because at the early stage you know you're not necessarily going to have a strong deck always so I think that's how I think building rapport is super important
0: yeah so I think that's true the tighter your presentation is the easier it is but I was actually even thinking about super basic things up front which are like if you're pitching on Zoom, right. I think people sometimes underestimate how much energy you need to show right. online relative yeah. to being in person. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes people come across as super flat and right. low energy, yeah. even though they're not necessarily that way in real life. And they might not even perceive themselves to be that way. Yeah. And you might be like, why does this matter? And it's like, oh, I talked to this founder and he seemed weirdly unenthusiastic about his business and was really <laughs> energy the whole meeting. Um. And so I think tactically, I think online, There's one thing which is just you need to amp up your energy at the beginning um, and think about how that comes across. Also, I think there's just that sort of initial one, two minutes where you're doing intros and trying to connect with the other person where you your body language, how you lead mm-hmm. into the conversation can all send sort of subconscious cues to the other person. So I think sometimes people yeah. look super tentative, like they're very closed in on themselves and they nervously are like, please refer to slide one. And then they just click the t- start going through it. And I think So that's something just to practice, like how to do that lead in in a more casual and natural way and set the other person at ease and be like, hey, do you want to do this conversationally? Would you prefer to go through the deck? And you as the founder, I think you want your preferences for whatever is you're better at, whether you're good on your feet and you want to do it conversationally or you prefer the structure of the slides, but then you want your slides to be good and tight. I think all those things you want to think through in planning your fundraising meetings.
1: Yeah. I agree with you. I think a lot of folks obviously are nervous fundraising and getting up, time set up to pitch and so, so forth. It's important to get everything set up. So that Zoom meeting, the first 30-minute meeting that you had, I think you gave a time limit. It's very tight, obviously, but it's a not a requirement to go through the whole deck, if that makes sense, but really get the clarity around what the problem is, what solution is, and why you can trust the founder or why you, you as a person are trustworthy to run this approach. And I think some basics, for example, is that me Making sure that you're set up in an environment that you're comfortable with a coffee shop not running here and there and yeah if it turns out that it's the only time available feel free to reschedule or find another time that you be comfortable because you get one first meeting and then you never have a first meeting with that person ever again right and so that first impression is so important humans are psychologically wired for first impressions so it is what it is and then making sure that you have good audio equipment making sure that you have at least done some practice sessions and you recorded yourself about how you look like i think it's a good important thing have someone just do some dry runs with somebody to say let's record this thing I'm going to pitch you and then I think it can be another founder it can be a friend it can be a co-founder it can be a teammate but the goal is just for someone to have that thing that 30 minute thing solved and that's so solvable. To me, I think it's like a interview. It's You can do anything in 30 minutes. You know? So You can prepare for anything that's 30 minutes long. What are some instances of pitches that you felt could have done better if it wasn't for something like tactical and avoidable mistake?
0: Yeah, one that comes to mind is sometimes investors come in with some pre-knowledge. Like they know something yeah. about the industry or they've had an investment or a failed investment in the space. And so they actually have a very specific view of the world that you live in right. and they want those questions Mm -hmm. answered and they might open with those questions, which is like, Hey, great to meet, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm pretty familiar with this. The things that I'm most interested in are like A, B, and C. Yeah. And not answering the question directly and then just trying yeah. to railroad the meeting down the slide format, I think can be yeah. very off-putting because it's wasting everyone's time, right? The person already said, yeah. I want to talk about these things. And yeah. you're like, huh? And then I went and did something else. Um. And so I think th- the meta point is listening to right. what that is and trying to like, you can answer it in a short way. Say like, hey, Mm. here's the quick answer. And I actually have slides that address this point in more detail, but at least answer the question first before you try to get into the detailed thing. And so I think listening is a key thing that helps you to avoid being derailed. And then I think the other thing is when you're thinking about what the other person wants is you're basically trying to get them to align on a few key assumptions of your business. And if you aren't aligned on the key assumptions, you're not going to have a good conversation. So those TAM slides, slides where it's like and it's trillions of dollars and i've projected all of these things that are going to happen okay great but not that useful because your projections are a work of fiction generally in the early stage and it doesn't really matter what is the heart of like do we believe this problem exists yes or no do we believe this is a big yeah. problem do we believe that people will pay for this problem yeah. do we believe that you can make the product that fixes yeah. this problem those are the things you're trying to figure out right and every industry has specific quirks to it like oh this industry is incredibly fragmented and here are the challenges that other people have faced in this space or these people are incredibly sticky for some weird structural reason and here's why people. So like how do you plan to solve those things? That's where you want to focus the conversation on and you need to sort of tease out what the other person is thinking about your assumptions so that you can drive the conversation in a more fruitful way. And if they don't say anything at all, I think you want to try to elicit some response because then you don't really know what they're thinking. And so that's Where the sort of conversational aspect comes in which is like here's what we're seeing this might relate to a company in your portfolio in this way blah 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 it also shows that you've done research on their portfolio and their investment preferences things like that but i think you you want to think about it less as a one-sided broadcast and more as a way to figure out is this person going to be a good potential partner for me because we are aligned on the opportunity and the assumptions
1: yeah i think it goes back to the part about do we trust each other too have a deep strategic question about the underlying business model approach of the company. And I think it happens because founders get too sticky to the the format. I don't think it's overrehearsed, but they're fragile in the sense that they have a certain narrative of how the meeting should go versus what the meeting is going right now, right? I think that's a very important moment of discussion and like I said 30 minutes it's very solvable it's very preparable and the questions that the investor is going to ask even if they already know the space from before is going to be pretty straightforward just hey I believe that the margin in this space is very difficult for example how do you think about maintaining or building margins and having a profitable business in this space that's going to be a no-brainer question (laughs) that hopefully you think about how do you come across as somebody who's a mature person who's understanding the space but also aware of what experiments and learnings need to be done in order for you to succeed I mean it could be a wonderful moment of truth for both sides and I think one interesting conversation I often have and sometimes I end the 30 minute conversation is like hey this is how I would improve the pitch but the the more important question is these are the questions that we have about the business. You have a business and I have about the business. So the question then becomes like, how do we prove, not necessarily who is right, although it can seem like that, but what is right? What is the right path? What is the right assumption? And I think that's also a good way to wrap up the 30 minutes is kind of saying like, hey, Jeremy, I understand that you think that margins are, let's say, difficult in this space and you're skeptical about it because of past failures in the space. We haven't been able to do it with this approach. What I'll do is, why don't we discuss this? For example, let me circle back with you and let me kind of talk to you about how I think margins can improve over the next six months and then let's discuss further about it. But I think wrapping up that meeting with a strong sense of it's okay to have questions. It's okay for the VC to have questions, outstanding questions because you can't solve questions in 30 minutes. But neither can the founder finish them as well. So how do we keep that next step going is actually a very key way to tie off the 30 minutes as well.
0: Yep, I think that's right. The other thing is also, I think from a founder's perspective, you want to get clarity on the investor's process. And so making sure that you ask the question at the end, which is like Jeremy said, hey, it sounds like here are your outstanding questions. Here's my follow-up item. And then my question to you is like, what's your process? What are next steps? How do you guys get to a decision? And what other information might you need from my side? So that you have a really concrete set of follow-ups once you get off the call. Yeah, yeah. Any Uh, war stories from your side, Jeremy?
1: (laughs) I think the horror story on my end would just be a bad audio setup. It's just such a preventable error and it's such a shame. But, you know, if you have a, a fan in the background and you have a lot of people running around the background, sometimes it's not avoidable. But I think if you take a giant step back here is you're trying to make a first impression on somebody and so you want to make sure that you control the environment as much as possible. So you can be the world's best pitcher, but if the other person can't really hear you and it's too distracting in the background about what's going on, then unfortunately, someone who's intelligible in the conversations is going to have a better shot, right? I think that's really important. So really invest in just a computer and the audio <clears throat> equipment. I, don't know, I, I, I mean, I've seen, you know, people whose computers just couldn't really run. Again, it, I'm just saying like it can be a problem because an example I think I saw like classic one would be I have a new browser. I have a Zoom. Oh, I can't get my screen capture to work. I can't just present my slides and we send five minutes, you know, watching you figure out how to share your slides. And I'm just like, I did such a shame, honestly, because the time is precious. So understandable when it happens, but I think we, we should try to minimize and that's where I practice, like you said, really helps. Uh, cool. Any last words of advice from your perspective?
0: I think we covered it, which is just like, think about what you're trying to achieve and think about what the other person is trying to achieve in the meeting and tailor your remarks to address those needs and practice. Because I think sometimes when you are too heads down, you kind of forget that what you think is really obvious about your business might not be so obvious to another person. Mm. And so it's finding the right level to have the conversation, not too high level and not too weedy, but sort of striking that balance between like, hey, here's the core assumptions about why this is an amazing opportunity. And then here's like the Deep dive into all the great work that we've done and why we think we have a glorious future ahead.
1: Yeah, on my end, my parting word of advice is practice and record yourself because I think there's often a lot of practice that you make in your head. But I remember that when I was a founder at fundraising, I think the difference between somebody would put a camcorder back in the day and just be like record me pitching, and it was a big struggle because then you start seeing your own I don't know body language, my eyebrow twitching. It's a very discouraging experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's like calming and presenting my points and then you watch your yourself you're like beep beep boop <laughs> you know like clown thing that you're doing and I think it's a that gap is something that you have to close as much as possible. Again, nobody's expecting you to be like a super person in presenting your pitch, but there's so many things that are a lot more obvious when you put on that that person eye on yourself, which uh, can be very difficult to process. On that note, I'd love to summarize the three big uh, takeaways I got from this conversation. First is thanks so much for sharing about your perspective on first meetings and how it's really important from the investor's perspective to make a decision about whether to keep going and keep investigating and exploring whether to work together as a team. And so it's really important to be thoughtful about how the founders should be structuring their time. Secondly, thanks so much for sharing about the technical point of view, which is how founders should prepare in terms of practice and recording ourselves and making sure that there's a strong sense of the understanding of what the investor may ask or could potentially ask. And lastly, I think we discussed very much about what the different frames are. Are we talking about the business? Are we talking about a strategy? Are we talking about the vertical? Are we talking about you as a founder? So I think there are many different types of questions that can get asked. But at the end of the day, it's like, are we going to work well together? And should we spend a lot of time together in the next 10 years to build a large company together? On that note, thanks so much. Are we going uh, to go on a second date? Yeah, would you go on a second date? All right. See you, Shien. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We would also appreciate you leaving a rating or review. Head over to www.bravesea.com for member content, resources, and community. Stay well and stay brave.